Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. ESPN has put out some interesting polling among its experts on a variety of topics. We'll dig into that. But first, Andy, signs that Anthony Davis might play more center. We'll yeah. talk all about all of that coming up next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, so uh, lots to get into with that ESPN stuff. Some really interesting numbers coming out of there with their uh, panel of experts. Do want to let you know that Tuesdays on the Locked On NBA podcast, it's East, East meets West. Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer. Like Rocky Four. Very similar. Uh, and host of Locked on Warriors and David Rammel, host of Locked on Heat. They tackle the biggest NBA stories of the day, coast to coast. Follow the Locked on NBA podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get to the to the ESPN stuff, though, Anthony Davis playing the, the center position for the Lakers this year, more than he did last year, even more than he did when the Lakers won the title a couple years back, uh, obviously has been central to uh, the discussions about the new roster, about what the Lakers are going to be doing. We have seen possible indications that maybe kind of sort of based on the way they're putting things together, he might do it. We got a little bit of a tiny nugget of reporting that it actually could happen. Yeah, this came in a piece from Zach Harper over at The Athletic. He's been doing these really good offseason breakdowns for all the different teams across the league in terms of what they did, how effective their offseason has been, all that stuff. And his came out on Monday for the Lakers. And part of his reporting in there came from Bill Oram, who uh, answered a few questions that have been on his mind as a Lakers beat writer for the site. And among them was Anthony Davis, how often he would be playing at center. And Bill's, uh, Bill's piece for Zach said, quote, sources have indicated throughout the summer that Davis is not only willing to play more minutes at center, but to start games there. That will allow Frank Vogel to utilize more of his new shooting weapons alongside Russell Westbrook. You can you can break this down however you want, but the part that really matters here is the amount of time. If he spends seventy percent of his time at center but doesn't start there, fine, I can live with it. For and it's it's not just about how much better it makes AD, although I think it does help him. It makes the team so much better, as Bill says. There, of I would say, of the three seasons that we've been talking about this. It is more important this year than any other. I really don't think it's close. Yeah. I mean, when you take into account the the issues that people have, the concerns people have in terms of overall spacing with this team, when you bring in Russell Westbrook, and as much as you know, I've been harping on this point that I think the idea that when Russell Westbrook is off ball, it automatically means he's going to be standing in the corner, ineffectively spacing the floor for the Lakers, getting ignored because he's not a three-point shooter. I think that is a fallacy in and of itself. I think he can have way more off-ball utility than a lot of times. At the very least, it it doesn't have to be a foregone conclusion. Right, that's my... It could turn out to be true, but it doesn't have to be. Right, but I'm saying I think people have treated this like it's either Russell Westbrook being dominant off-ball or... He is standing in the corner, ineffectively waiting to space the floor badly with his bad three-point shot, as if there's no middle ground, there's no off-ball cutting, there's no all that stuff. But that all being said, 
There is, though, the issue of spacing that comes with him because he's not a good three-point shooter. And if you were going to play him at the point with Anthony Davis at the four and a more traditional center with either DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Howard at the five. Which one, right. Right. In this particular case, it doesn't matter. You're talking about one fewer spacing option for this team. Anthony Davis is, for what it's worth, not a particularly effective floor spacer himself. And LeBron is a solid but not incredible three-point shooter. And it's not not what you want him doing anyway. Right. Well, as I like to say, you want the floor spaced for LeBron. You don't want LeBron spacing the floor. Right. And and it's a huge difference. Totally. And what what's what's you know critical here though too is it's like and Bill alludes to it. We've alluded to it. Like all of all the 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 people that the Lakers have brought in to get the most out of them to be able to play THT and you know figure out a role for Malik Monk and find a way for Wayne Ellington to space the floor and get. Um, you know, Kendrick Nunn out there and and all of these guys figure out a good role for Kent Bazemore. The less you have a traditional center on the floor, the more you can use the guys who I think are their better players. And that would include Carmelo Anthony as a sport floor spacer and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and then you only really need at that point to rely on DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Howard, more likely Dwight and then, and then DeAndre as a, as a, a backup for, for Howard really. It, on a much more limited basis and deploy them strategically when you need them, whether to protect AD or a different defensive look or whatever. Their most skillful offensive players, particularly, you get them on the floor when Davis is at the five. But the other thing, Andy, and Zach pointed this out, and when last week when we had him, Adam Mares on, he talked about this, the physical dominance that we're now all anticipating from Davis from Westbrook, from LeBron, also is more effective without a center on the floor because then those guys can go downhill. Yeah. And if if the floor isn't spaced, if you need LeBron on the perimeter um, or Davis or whatever, then that you're you're robbing the physical dominance of that too. Like those guys can't be as strong and put as much pressure on a defense if there's if if defenses can just wall off the paint and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's as easy said as done in terms of just walling it off. And when you when you're talking about forces like LeBron and Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, I think frankly, with any other spacing op- options out there or non spacing options, those three guys in and of itself just create that type oh, of right. pressure. I'm not saying you can. I'm but, not saying but you can you're not, them, but, but it makes it easier. Well, you're not maximizing it the other way. Correct. That's the That's problem. What I'm you, you you are not maximizing what you could do running the floor when you can have that force going at the rim and Mm -hmm. guys flaring out and you really start putting defenses to decisions as opposed and and prioritizations with those Mm -hmm. decisions as opposed to just walling off the paint, which again, I think is easier said than done with those three, but but it's the obvious move. I'm just talking about, I'm I'm not even talking about the break. I'm talking about the half court. Sure. You when you guys get there, you have the ability to get Westbrook in the half court going downhill, LeBron, going downhill towards the basket all that is just easier when you're playing essentially you know Davis as a 5 and you know you can put LeBron in the post you can put Russ in the post you can you know you can put Carmelo Anthony down in the post against the right guy if you want a a person on the there's all kinds of ways to do it so good news it seems yeah i'm there is still for me 
I know. Got to see it to believe it. I mean, not just the resistance that we've seen from Anthony Davis, and this isn't just reported. This is Anthony Davis stating this on the record, you know, his reluctance to do this, but also too, like DeAndre Jordan committed really quickly to the Lakers. Um, and you would think that he wanted to play some. I mean, like I recognize he had no role in Brooklyn and maybe he realized like, look, if I'm not going to have a role anywhere I go, I might as well just win a title along the way. I'd like to be back in Los Angeles. Maybe the Clippers weren't interested. Could have won one in Brooklyn. But I mean, at the very least, he is more likely to have a a role. He gets promised that he'll play at least 10 minutes a night against Brooklyn and Dallas specifically. Like that's his guarantee. (laughs) Like he get the other games are you know Frank Vogel's call he may go a string of DNP CDs but whenever it's Brooklyn or whenever it's Dallas ten minutes guaranteed it's in his contract at the very least though if you're Jordan you could look at the roster and say like look if AD plays sixty percent of his time at center and whatever and you know what the at least the way the Lakers use that person it it looks like me there's well, another guy there it's Dwight Howard but like you know when we talked. Um, to Doug Norrie about like from Locked On Nets, like there is no role for that on the Nets. They literally do not want that player on their roster. The Lakers at least want yeah that, and so even if he's the second string version of that, he has a better chance of playing here. But you do have to admit, I know you're you don't want to you don't want to get your hopes up, but you have to admit between the way the roster is constructed. The way some of the tea leaves are lining up, some of the buzz and all that. Brad Turner's original report with the LA Times about the sit-down dinner with LeBron, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, where all of them talked about sacrifice. And one of those presumed sacrifices was Anthony Davis saying, I will play more at the five. I mean, you can debate, and I want to talk about this with some of these ESPN uh, expert categories that we're going to get into. You can debate how much of an actual sacrifice this really should constitute to Anthony Davis, but but it does. remains he considers it one right, and so uh, but you know you have to admit, as reluctant as you are, as you don't want to you don't want to be be over promised and under delivered, that at least kind of looks like this is where it's going, right? Are you willing to go there? Are you willing I, to even commit to that, Andy? Kaminetsky? I think it looks like it is potentially going there, but the problem is you. <laughs> well, no, here's the problem. You can read it just as easily the other way. You can read it just as easily as they wanted one center to start with AD, the other one to back up the right, let's let's get the starting back five. together. Let's get right. The, the I mean, twenty twenty five. No, I got gotcha. you. You can read that just as easily. You can. So, how if he starts at center on day one, then you'll believe it? How many, or would you need like uh, needs to do it like ten games in a row? Well, they, well, they open against the Warriors. Warriors. In that particular case, it may not matter who starts at center. <laughs> yeah, they don't have, the Warriors have one, <laughs> right? And, and James the Lakers, Wiseman, it's 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 it, it, you know, it was official that he will not begin the season, right? And the Lakers should beat I mean, a clayless Warriors regardless of who's right. at the five. So, all right. I look. I understand you do not want to be Lucy with the. Okay, here's here. where I'll know. Here's where okay. I will know. Game two, game two. They're against Phoenix, I believe, with DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton. Ayton. If Anthony Davis is starting at the five against DeAndre Ayton, I am willing to believe that this is real. This right. will be I, my I just, equivalent of blood you, in, blood I out. You, I picture all of training camp, like on the third day of training camp, they say Anthony Davis is going to be our starter. So you're like, I'm, and Andy's just going to be like, not until game two. I'm waiting until game Man. two. 
I've lived this long as a cynic, and look where it's gotten. Me. Yeah, lately, you know, very fair. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so let's di- let's dive into some of this ESPN stuff because the experts uh, came up with some, you know, some there were interesting questions and interesting results, um, and uh, certainly reflecting high expectations for the Lakers. We'll talk about that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Sweatblock. Few things in life just not fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. Like when you are just sweating profusely like a tidal wave of salt water through your shirts for no particular reason. That is embarrassing. I don't have to worry about that. So that's why I use sweat block antiperspirant wipes. Stronger, more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. Simply apply it at night before you go to bed. In the morning, you wake up, you wash your pig, and then you go about your day without worrying about sweat. Use it once or twice the entire week. Stay dry the whole time or Get your money back, guaranteed. No more pit stains, no more picking out shirts nope. based on what hides the sweat better. It's so limiting. You don't want to go around dressing like that. You want to be free to be you, show you off through your wardrobe. And I'll put it to you this way. If you know of another sweat solution that is doctor-created, doctor-recommended, featured on Rachel Ray's show, and tested by firefighters, I'm listening. But until then, check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com using the promo code Locked On or at Amazon and CVS. Hey, uh, does this sound familiar to you, Andy? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. you got your neighbors, best friends, logins, girlfriends, sisters, cousins, you know, all the things. Like, I get a lot of this from my from my in-laws, to be perfectly honest. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I would tell you a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and your on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. It means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn learn more about it at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. A compatible device is required and content varies by package. So ESPN, as they often do, as everyone sort of does in the offseason, you start getting your experts together, you ask them some questions, you you tally up the results, and you see where people think the season is going. Um, there are a bunch of things that have come out of this. Uh, win-loss records was something like last week that they started putting out there. The Lakers picked to win 53 games, second behind Utah in the conference, um, but overwhelmingly picked to uh, win the West. Um you know, and I think both of those things are certainly plausible. Um, there was a lot in though this um, the the most recent round of predictions, starting with different categories. Um, teams most expected to kind of jump up, bounce back seasons. Teams expected to potentially have turmoil. The Lakers kind of finished high in both of those as well. And again, both of those things kind of make sense. Yeah. What I found really fascinating about this is them placing high with bounce back uh, potential, turmoil, and LeBron winning at least one more title came in at, I believe, 85%. 85% they go win one more. Yeah, One more with the Lakers, Lakers, uh, 15% saying zero. And combine that with what you talked about before, Brian, with them winning 53 games and winning the West, you've got a lot of different scenarios which could theoretically take a team in a bunch of different directions. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy to me is that none of it actually feels like it's truly in conflict with each other. Like the Lakers could very well win a title this year or at minimum play really well in route to a loss in the finals while still experiencing elements of on-court drama and turmoil, just like figuring out 
how their big three works, figuring out all these different I'm glad you, moving yeah, parts. I, I'm glad you framed it that way because when people talk about team turmoil, especially when it comes to the Lakers, it's almost always in the context of, you know, stars fighting or like chemistry issues or like tensions wrong, tension, this and that. And th that's not how it's likely going to be unless things just completely go to, you know, just implode in ways that nobody can really anticipate. Um, I, that's not, but that's not the only way turmoil can happen. Turmoil can happen with, geez, guys, it's like Wade and LeBron got along great while they still had trouble figuring out how we're going to do this on the floor. And the challenge in front of Westbrook and LeBron and Frank Vogel and figure out that is not an easy one. So if turmoil can be defined as we're all getting along great and still pulling in the same direction, but we're 12 and 12 and it's a little tense around here. Well, then, yeah, the Lakers have potential to be a team that has some turmoil. I don't actually think that's how it's going to play out. I think with the early schedule that they have um, and the kind of physical dominance that I think they'll be able to put out at the talent level, I think they're going to win a lot of games relatively early, assuming everybody's healthy. But well, as we established, Brian, the league wants it that way. Right. But it's also, it's like, you don't have to stretch that far in your brain to come up with a scenario where, geez, the first 20 games could be a little tough. And like, that's in this town with these expectations. And again, it's all tied, completely tied to the idea that if this team doesn't win a championship, it is a disappointment. Um, certainly if they don't make the finals at the very well, I mean, look. The like Lakers, that's, that's where you can get team turmoil. If you, the you, Lakers it just have, doesn't look like they're getting there. The Lakers have a history of drama. I mean, like they, they are Correct. a dramatic franchise. Like, and, and, you know, I think it's most famously associated with Kobe and Shaq and, you know, the very outward feuding going on between those two and, you know, Phil Jackson, you know, playing both referee and encourager of the feuding at the same right. time, manipulating it in ways that you know brought out the best in the team and also really uh, made the thing a hell of a lot harder than it needed to be. But you know, if you study what happened with Showtime, there was a lot of tension at times with those groups in route to five championships. You know, you and I covered the second half of Kobe's career with Pau Gasol and Lamar Odom. You know, they those teams got along, you know, particularly once they started after Kobe's trade request and Pau came in there, th those teams were for the most part, pretty close and got along really well. But the bookends of it were Kobe's right. trade request and the radio tour. Then when it fell apart, it fell apart for a multitude of reasons. But among them were, I think guys had been together for too long and they were getting sick of each other. And, and this is normal. But when it's the Lakers, you scrutinize this shit right. to death. And it's also it's just like, the way. Go works. back to there was drama in the Showtime era. There was just like it is a dramatic franchise. And oh, they and a, and they made a dramatic trade to, that cranked all this up with the acquisition of Russell Westbrook. And like, like oh, you before that, this, everything that went on with getting Anthony Davis and the way you know Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma were all just publicly dangled, not just by the franchise, that was, but frankly, that was much more the type of turmoil that I think people are talking right. about. But it's but, but you're right. I mean, but I but that but it's all not created equally. Is my correct. point? Even the though there's a lot, doesn't have to be that right. There's um, a lot in Laker history to choose from, but it doesn't mean that it's all the same. I want to focus on the LeBron thing because 
I found that answer, the idea that 85% of these people, you know, while he's still a Laker, whether that's two years, three years, four years, however long you think he's going to play, um, that he's going to get at least one more title. You know, 85% is an overwhelmingly large number. Um, it's also not the safe guess there, the safe assumptions. So I want to talk about that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized fantasy basketball, it was broken. Games were won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week, made no sense, required very little strategy. And then in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. And Game Pick, owners pick out a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. So there's no more losing sleep because your opponent's players had more scheduled games to play in in that week. You don't have to worry about giving up halfway through the season because you realize, man, fantasy basketball, it's a lot of busy work accounting for that scheduling. So in game pick, you just pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive ranking, pace of play, all that good stuff. They offer redraft, they offer a keeper, they offer dynasty. So if you prefer building out a weekly strategy instead of busy work, which can kill your love of fantasy basketball, I don't care what's going on, you got a life, you're going to love Game Pick. So download the Sleeper app, start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Locked on Lakers also brought to you by Theragun. Andy, I don't need to tell you this. I am no spring chicken anymore. I don't know what season chicken I am, but it's not spring. Um, so my days of rolling out of fall. I'm a fall chicken. I think that's fair. Uh, days of just rolling out of bed, being good to go, you know, working out without any kind of intervention afterwards, like, you know, just feel good the next day. Th that is done. I get sore from everything now. Um, I have, I've had a Theragun for about almost two years now. And long before I started hosting this stuff, before we started doing it. And so, you know, and if you don't know what it is, the Theragun, it's a handheld percussive therapy device. It releases muscle tension at the deepest level using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. It's quiet. It's not going to wake up your neighbors um, while it's doing a lot of work there. And the, the Gen 4 Theragun, it doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. So again, no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4, the OLED screen, or OLED, as some people like to say. Uh, it's, it's designed to make you feel like you're holding something from the future. You go to their site, you check it out. The Theragun app learns from your behaviors and it, su it suggests guided routines. 250 professional sports teams, Real Madrid, elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins. They use a Theragun. I use it. Andy has one. Yeah, it's it awesome. Great. Uh, you try the Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Again, that's therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. So, I, I mean, you can argue whether LeBron, LeBron is going to, I guess you could say he might retire at the end of the, the two years he's got left with the Lakers. Maybe he plays another one after that. Maybe he plays four. I think anything after three or four seasons, you're starting to, you know, really get speculative here. To me, I gotta be honest with you. I think given the the age question, given the fact that the Nets are a thing, that you know, Phoenix is up and coming, that there are a lot of contenders in the West when everybody's healthy. And it's only, you know, it gets harder every year. The idea that everybody's pretty much convinced on this ESPN panel, 85% of them think that LeBron is going to get at least another title uh, while he's with the Lakers. 
to me is a tremendous sign of respect for the quality of play that LeBron is still at and the level of play that he's still playing at and the quality of the team and sort of the, the belief in the franchise that they're going to get it done at least once because I still think in any given season, the safest bet probably with any team is the field. Um, and, you know, the, I, I, I saw that as a big, big sign of, of respect for where LeBron is. I mean, look, the, the level that he is playing at right now still has been absolutely unprecedented. I mean, there there is no template for what LeBron has been doing these last several years. I mean, if you if you look at the mileage that he's accumulated as a player and the responsibility that he's had while accumulating that mileage, like I remember when you and I were uh, with The Athletic, uh, heading into LeBron's first season with the Lakers, I wrote a piece about my concern with LeBron's mileage, and I compared where LeBron was when he was about to join the Lakers to where Kobe was pre-Achilles tear. Like at that moment, LeBron had already lapped those minutes. Like oh, yeah. He, he, alre- he already was past what Kobe had done. And Kobe, I think it's you know, a pun, I guess, unintended. Kobe had done some work. Kobe was doing work by that point. I mean, he had put on a lot of miles and put on a lot of minutes to that point. And, you know, Kareem played for, I think it was 21 seasons or whatever, but the last several years of Kareem's career, he was still good, but he was not being, he wasn't, no, he wasn't the goat at that point. Right. There's, there is absolutely no comparison point for LeBron. And what we've seen is outside of injuries that are pretty, I don't want to say severe in terms of the injury themselves. I mean severe like in the sense that they are like a physical force to be dealt with. Like what happened with his groin was kind of a violent thing when you look back on it. The the, the groin injury during his first right. season with the Lakers. The, the or Solomon Hill yeah. running into his ankle. Like these are these are like severe violent type of injuries. If you remove those like the the daily wear and tear has has seemed at least remarkably small. And he he has this incredible right. understanding. At the very least, it has an impact. Like you go to the per 36 numbers, things like that, some of the advanced numbers, like they are. I mean, is he peak LeBron back from you know the you know the early you know 2012 to like no, but like he is remarkably consistent in in the output, in the quality of the output, in all of that stuff. It doesn't change much. And to your to your point about injury, though, Andy, I we both make this point all the time. Your body doesn't know the difference between Solomon Hill crashed into my ankle and I twisted it coming down awkwardly. Like your, your high ankle sprain doesn't know the difference or care. Right. No. And so, you know, like he has now suffered that injury, but I do think sort of, as you start to catalog some of these things, the amount of non-contact injuries, the amount of soft tissue stuff that pops up, where it isn't a fluky kind of thing where bodies crash into each other in the wrong way, I think you can still make a little bit of that distinction. And it would be slightly more worrisome to me if he kept kind of piling up those small soft tissue things. It's a non-contact that comes down awkwardly and limps. So like, I do see a little bit of a difference there, even with the caveat, like his ankle doesn't know the difference. So 
even with the physical stuff, he's still remarkably. I, I trust him to be healthier this year than either Westbrook or Davis. He's just becoming a guy that you become really nervous to bet against. I mean, like the the it's like the way uh, on the Dan Levitard show with Stu Gotts. Stu Gotts has that running joke about Tom Brady, where he always tells Dan and everybody else in the studio, you know, don't doubt him. I care about you. Like right. Brady's forty four years old. And he's just recently removed from a five touchdown game. And it's ridiculous. And have there been times where Tom Brady has looked like he's been in decline? Yes, but it has never been sustained. And for reasons that are just insane, he is now looking like that dude from several years ago. And it's reached a point where even if it doesn't make sense, and even if the logical part of your brain is Mm -hmm. saying, You have to bet against a guy who's 44 years old playing in the NFL. I don't know how many years now he's been in the league. When you watch what's happening, you just, the illogical, the illogical part of your brain that is also watching the context of what makes it feel illogical is saying, I can't do it. And that's where LeBron's at right now. Before we, we'll get to, let's do Anthony Davis before we quit here today. Um, If you, let's, let's, I'll say three years. You know, we'll kind of split the difference between the two years he's got left on his contract and like another two years after that or whatever. I don't think, you know, anything after that I think is 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 way too speculative. Let's say he plays three more years, including this one. Would you bet he wins a title? Yes. Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel with the very quality confident. Of the team with the quality of LeBron, he's one of these next three he would get. Yeah. I I, I would we've talked about this before, Brian, before we move on to Anthony Davis. Like LeBron getting only one championship with the Lakers, obviously one championship is an achievement. It becomes very easy to forget when you are in Laker country just how damn hard it is to win a championship and your perspective gets warped. That being said, LeBron only winning one championship with this organization is going to feel a little bit underwhelming. That may be unfair. Yeah, It It may reflect a bar that is you know, insanely too high and, you know, again, spoiled entitlement from the fan base, from the people who cover the team, in my case, both, but it still will feel underwhelming. Yeah. Um, All right. So just to recap here, the Lakers, you know, they were one of the teams that were up in that team turnaround thing. It makes sense. The Lakers are poised, even though the last season wasn't a statistical disaster in terms like they made the playoffs, but like they did, they obviously underachieved this year. They're expected to do better. That is a turnaround. Uh, the Warriors, they were terrible last year because everybody was out. They're going to be better this year. They weren't terrible. They made the, the play-in. But, like, you understand my point. They are going to make a big – they ought to make a big bounce. The turmoil thing makes sense. Um, but with when you start to get – there are a couple little things in here about Anthony Davis that are both interesting. Nobody had him in their MVP, which I thought was a little bit uh, – was, was at least worth noting. LeBron was the only Laker that popped up in there. Um, but he did have, he was ranked second, almost in a dead heat behind Rudy Gobert as most likely to win DPOI, Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and I know that stuck out to you. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there could be a lot of factors at play there. With it, with MVP, I'm not surprised with him individually or the Lakers collectively. It, I just think when you've got LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook, no matter how well these guys play, they're going to eat into each other. It's like when right. three guys are nominated for uh, for acting awards uh, at the Oscars. They they often just 
you know, bleed into each I other. I do think, then... though, that it is I, – I think Anthony Davis will lead the team in scoring, and I do think he is most likely to have eye-popping MVP-like numbers. Whether that translates into any kind of MVP buzz is really hard to predict. But I do think, statistically speaking, he is most likely to have an MVP resume based on numbers. It's certainly Bob. I, that's that's my belief because I think this whole thing is set up for him to thrive. Yeah, it's certainly possible. But when you think about defensive player of the year, like there are a lot of potential factors there. You know, there's the expectation of him playing more at center. There's an anticipation that he is really motivated coming off what's considered a down season. I think there could be some legitimately. By the way, it was right. not that's not media overblowing. That was a bummer of a season for AD. Yeah, I, I think there also could be some Rudy Gobert fatigue uh, slash ridicule considering the way the playoffs went for Utah last year, even though I think Rudy Gobert might be taking a bit too much of that blame. He is certainly uh, the focus of it. You know, Anthony Davis wanting to impress his new wife with his defensive prowess, like whatever. But either way, there's a lot of buzz around Anthony Davis. And we know when it comes I, by to the way, I hope that's what gets her going. <laughs> hey, defense wins. Defense wins champion. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and look, if that if, if that works to the Lakers' advantage, you know, mm-hmm. I hope it's not Anthony. What gets me going is you shooting 11 three pointers a game. Like I, I hope that's not her her deal. So no, anyway. <laughs> I certainly hope that's not the case. But like the early buzz around AD helps because we've talked about this before. Early buzz is often very determinative in final results. But mm-hmm. I also think though specifically AD moving to center can really help this case exponentially because he's going to look more like the anchor of a defense while still undoubtedly switching, showing off that versatility. He's going to get extra points for, quote, making the sacrifice to play at center. And again, I'm not sure when it's all said and done, it's really that big of a sacrifice to begin with, you know, but if he it, believes it is, then it is right. Right. And, you know, he's he's leaning into something that, you know, he doesn't really want to do. And I think people will take note of that because the awards are ultimately a narrative business. And Anthony Davis moving outside his comfort zone to help a defense that on paper took a step backwards, I think will all that him. is that. And I was going to wrap that was going to be my point to wrap up. But you hit it. The expectation is the Lakers are not going to be as good defensively as they were last year when they were, you know, unusually good, even as guys were out. They still maintained for a lot longer than anybody could possibly expect a really good defensive profile. If the Lakers finish as a top five defensive team, a top eight defensive team, and they win 65 games in the regular season and Davis is playing well and the defense outperforms expectations, he is going to get a lot of credit for that, as he should. But he is. And by the way, so will Frank Vogel. That's one of the things that will bump him up in the in the coach of the year standings. But uh, I, I think that's the big deal. If Davis can help make this team good defensively when they are not expected to be, uh, you know, sort of dominant on that side, then you're right. Um, we got some great mailbag questions. We put out the call today. We're gonna we'll we'll retweet it out there so people can keep adding to it. But we got so many good mailbag responses. We're actually gonna do a mailbag episode. Um, probably for tomorrow, I think, yeah. uh, is the plan. So uh, thank you guys for sending those in. Got some about you know, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker and fan favorites and some interesting scenarios to play out over the course of the season. Magic Johnson and triple doubles and Russell Westbrook. There's a there's a uh, 
a record, a Lakers record that could be on the uh, the chopping block this year. So uh, we'll get to that on Wednesday. Make sure you uh, hit us up at Cam Brothers, Brothers at gmail.com uh, and sign up for the Locked on Lakers YouTube page. We'll see everybody tomorrow.